Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. It is February 1st. Glad to have you all tuning in today. Uh, big game tonight uh, as we go through the news segment. Uh, just to let you know, 7 o'clock ESP and you, South Carolina at Mississippi State. Uh, Gamecocks won a big basketball game for the third straight time uh, in uh, College Station, Texas over the weekend, 74-63. Uh, to 63. And all of a sudden, Gamecocks are four and four in the league, thirteen and seven overall. Chance for another Q one win. Uh, and look, I, I understand this, this. This has happened before in certain seasons. It didn't happen last season, but uh, <coughs> what kind of the team uh, gets going during conference play, and then something happens, and they just don't quite make it, or, or whatever. Well, wait, look, that's fine. This is an opportunity, okay. And anybody who's sitting out there mad because the team's been winning all of a sudden, and you know, and it's okay to be skeptical. I'm not talking about skepticism. I'm, I'm talking about anger because uh, you're mad at Frank, you know, whatever. And you, you know, you, you're worried now, you know, they won't make a change. It's in the best interest of this basketball program to have winning seasons and go to the NCAA tournament. That, that, look at the 30 years they've been in the SEC. Look at the coaches that have come through the program. Uh, this is not a good basketball job, people. Some of you think it is, and until the end of the Horn era, I, I maybe thought it was too, maybe the beginning of the Horn era. But, I mean, it, it was eroded for 10 years. Uh, lots of younger alums don't even follow men's basketball. I mean, it, it, all those good old good feelings from the ACC days. Uh, you know, some of you out there, you still feel them. Quite frankly, I still love Gamecock basketball, follow it all the time. But uh, look, this is not a good job. <laughs> you know, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, if, if Frank Martin does not make the NCAA tournament, that it changes in order. He's been here 10 years. You know, of course, you know, one out of 10, you, you, you kind of want a, a change. And I quite frankly, that 
Frank would like a change, you know, uh, if that happened. But if he goes to the tournament, you keep him. I mean, <laughs> you keep him. And uh, uh, and I think that's what a lot of people have to keep in mind with this whole Frank Martin situation and this basketball team. Uh, and I'll say this, even if you don't like Frank and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And look, it is frustrating to watch, I think, college basketball in general these days. A lot of people take bad shots and stuff like that. Um, except the NCAA tournament, I don't like that. But uh, that's just the sport. That's everywhere. And 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 I, I understand it's frustrating sometimes, but these guys have been playing good basketball. And, and what you're doing, if you're just continuously trashing the team, because, you know, some folks out there that are talking about this team, you know, act like they're in last place in the SEC and they're not. They're kind of middle of the pack, bunched together like six other basketball teams right now. I mean, this is not is not a team that's like down at the bottom. It's not Georgia or Vandy or somebody like that. But uh, you know what you're doing is you know you're just telling the players don't care how hard you play, don't care what you do, don't care that you come back. We're we're not supporting you, and that sucks. Don't do that, folks. Uh, and I'm not preaching. Uh, I know some some people don't even like basketball, and that's fine. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, maybe they win tonight, maybe they don't. I, I I think Mississippi State's really good at home. I mean, they're 11 and one. I think their only losses to Kentucky. Ben Howland's a very good coach. Uh, Starfield's a tough place to go win, uh, quite frankly. But uh, you know, they have a shot. I, I I didn't think they would beat A and M, and they did. And now they're playing with some confidence. Three three wins in a row. You win that one. You come back home, Tennessee, and, and even if Carolina doesn't win that one, let, let me just explain this to you, to folks, if you care about Carolina basketball. Uh, and if you're just done, you're done. I get it. Uh, this game against Tennessee on Saturday is a CBS game, nationally televised game. Uh, you know, every reason in the world to show up, you know, I, and, and support. Uh, and I know that a lot of you do. <laughs> and I know that the attendance numbers are always really good numbers wise. It's just, you know, there's empty seats in the lower deck, which is kind of embarrassing to be honest with you. And I know it's not, you know, those of you that care about the basketball part, it's not your fault. I mean, you're there. It's just too big of an arena, but you know, I think if there's a reason to have a big basketball crowd, uh, it is Saturday, you know, Tennessee's coming in. They're a top 10 team in the net. It's a chance for a Q1 win at home. And those aren't easy to come by because most of it's Q2. So, I, I you know, look, I, I don't know. You know, you, you have a chance here. I think Kentucky's in Tuesday night. We all know that's a big deal. South Carolina's got a chance. And, and I think that when you start one and four in the SEC like they did, what you want is a chance. You know, you, you want a chance to play your way back onto the bubble. And they're not close to the bubble right now, 95th, 97th uh, in the net. But – um Mississippi State, eight-point favorites tonight in Starkville at home. Uh, Gamecocks going on the road, see if they can get their fourth win in a row. Second Q1 win in a row, and then establish some momentum, you know, because then if you beat Tennessee this weekend, that's three straight uh, uh, Q1 wins. I think it'll be five straight wins overall. Even if a Kentucky comes in and beats you, you know, then you got to add Ole Miss at Georgia. You pick up road wins there, and you're kind of – you know, you're, you're cooking with grease then, cooking with grease then. So there's an opportunity. And I think in basketball, that's all you want. I think a problem around here uh, in this sport, if you're just looking at the performance of the team is at times, 
in, in, in some of these years since the final four where, you know, you're 17 and 16 years, 16 and 16 year, you know, there, there's a smaller margin of error because of some of the non non-conference losses. Now, uh, I'll say this, the, the coastal loss and the Princeton loss that a lot of you are bemoaning, those are Q3 losses almost. Coastal's almost heading toward a Q2 if Coastal goes up, what, I think seven to ten spots in the net because it was a road game. Princeton was a, 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 a Q3 loss right now, but yeah, maybe they'll get the Q down. You got to be, what, top 75 on a neutral court. Princeton's kind of like at 113, but – you know, I don't know if they have the schedule to do it, but uh, you know that Clemson, where they didn't have half the team, that's a Q one loss. You know, so it's not like the year with Stetson and all that. The problem, <laughs> it's a lot like that 2015-2016 team, though, where the good teams that they scheduled, you know, Western Kentucky was supposed to challenge in Conference USA. They're supposed to challenge UAB. Now UAB is taking care of business. Western Kentucky, eh, not. They need to get hot. Uh, Florida State is not. They were supposed to challenge for the ACC. Eh, they're still kind of like fluctuating right there. Georgetown is god-awful. Okay. So there's <laughs> – you know, they had not necessarily been helped by some other teams, but the SEC is good enough this year they could play their way in. But anyway, 7 o'clock uh, kickoff, tip-off. I'm sorry, kickoff. Uh, whatever, helmet head, JC. Uh, at Mississippi State, ESPNU, uh, and then, like I said, Tennessee this weekend at 1 o'clock. We'll, we'll have a podcast uh, between now uh, and then. So um, that's the news. Had some other news and notes wanted to talk to quickly. Ortray Smith transfers to North Carolina Central. By the way, if, if you want to hear me kind of give a little breakdown and, you know, the headlines or whatever earlier in the day, uh, check out the Big Spur Brief. It's on YouTube. We also have the Big Spur Minute that we put up in the morning uh, on our Facebook page and, and Instagram at the Big Spur 247 or at Inside the Gamecocks on Instagram uh, or Twitter. Check all that out. Um, you know, but uh, yes, yeah, so I talked about this earlier, but Ortray Smith, North Carolina Central is going to get a graduate degree up there. It's a good program. Uh, congratulations to him. Um, he kind of, uh, uh, follows Dominic Hill, who's going to Temple, uh, as some people out of the portal that have found new homes. Um, and so congratulations, you know, to, to Ortray Smith. That, that guy's been through a lot. Number one prospect in the state of South Carolina, class of 2017, which seems like a long time ago. For uh, Just to give you an example, that was Will Muschamp's first full recruiting cycle in South Carolina. Um, Ortray was part of that, and he's still playing ball. And, you know, and I admire that. Uh, somebody that was part of the 2016 class, Ranricus Davis, retired from football after all the surgeries and things like that. And certainly got to admire that guy for sticking it out uh, like he did. Spencer Rattler arrived in campus uh, at South Carolina, and he's going to be number seven. So Marion Brown will have to get a uh, get a new number <laughs> uh, as he is going uh, to be number seven. At South Carolina, just like uh, just like he was in Oklahoma. So, congratulations to uh, Spencer Rattler, and he's there taking care of business and all that good stuff. Uh, more news, more news, more news. Gamecock women win, kind of a sloppy one against Florida. Uh, I would uh, also encourage you to check out the JC and Morgan College Football Podcast. I actually just finished recording it 
I'm going to put this one up since we talked about the game and stuff like that, and then put J.C. Morgan like right on top of it. Uh, so if you started this one, J.C. and Morgan should be out pretty soon. Uh, good talk today with Mike and Michael. J.B. and Goldwater uh, tomorrow on Wednesday. Hope you uh, enjoy that. Also, I wanted to say this on the Bigspur.com. We have a special on annual memberships. You can join for 75% off. So you get it for 25%. Uh, right now, uh, for the next four days, limited time only. So if you haven't been a VIP, you want to come interact with me every day on the site, Helma Granahan and Tony Morell and John Whittle and our guy Alex Jones and Kerry Rich, just, you know, you name it, Keith Ossep, whoever, we're all on the big spur. And uh, your, your membership will be discounted for the first year by 75%. Uh, if you would like to join and pay full price, uh, and, and you don't have to plop down a hundred bucks or anything. You can go monthly, nine ninety five plus tax or whatever it is. You pay full price. You get Paramount Plus for free, included with your Big Spur membership. Twenty four seven sports. It's awesome. Uh, I think Paramount Plus uh, has some. I think a new South Park is tonight. So anyway, shameless plug there for the website. Uh, check all of that out and. Um, and there we go, and away we go. Uh, want to say now we, we're getting to, to a little bit of analysis here, a little analysis segment. And I don't know, you know, this, this is all kind of subjective or whatever. Um, I, uh, you know, analysis, whatever. It's uh, what's not objective is, or subjective or whatever. The weekly score posi- or objective. Subjective? Gosh. Uh, my brain's tired, folks. Just forget I said that. Uh, just <laughs> analysis brought to you by Cindy Searfoss, my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, realtor, Caldwell Banker Kane. It's a weird, weird real estate market. Cindy can help you with it. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan that's been in the upstate for over 35 years and will help you with your real estate needs. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email her C Searfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbkane, C-B-C-A-I-N-E dot com. Right there, Daniel Morgan Avenue, my hometown of Spartanburg. Sandy Searfoss, realtor, uh, proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast analysis segment. We're certainly glad that we have Cindy right here with us. <coughs> so, um, something unique, and I apologize for my cough right now. My uh, voice after doing the other pod is probably a little bit shot. How about this? Of the last couple of Will Muschamp staffs at South Carolina, you now have Coleman Hutzler, Eric Wolford, and Travaris Robinson all coaching for Nick Saban at Alabama. And then you have Muschamp himself, Bobo as an analyst, and then Brian McClendon gets hired to coach receivers uh, at Georgia. So that's like six guys <laughs> from those final two staffs that are coaching at Georgia or Bama right now, uh, which I thought was interesting. And, and we got in kind of a debate about it on the board today, the message board just talking about, you know, some people are like, well, that shows you how bad of a head coach Will Muschamp was, or, you know, it just shows you that, you know, these guys were, and here's what I think. I think these guys are good coaches. Some a little better than others. And I think, I think the problem was with T-Rob and BMAC is maybe they just weren't ready to be coordinators. I, uh, I never thought the defense, like everybody expected, hey, 
Will Muschamp's coming to town. That dude can coach defense. Let's roll. And you kind of expect something like at Florida, you know, and you just hope he can solve the offense. Well, at Florida, as his D coordinator, remember he had Dan Quinn, freaking Dan Quinn, man, <laughs> and DJ Durkin. <laughs> you know, those guys, those guys aren't bad, co- you know, coordinators. T Rob was kind of a rookie. And, uh, you know, I, I know when Muschamp kind of called the defense at times, it was pretty good and, and all that, but they never really got there in spite of having a lot of good players on defense. And they, they never quite got there. You know, I think with, with Brian McClendon, uh, interesting hire. I, I thought, you know, based on the Outback Bowl, great comeback, and, and he showed the ability to call dial some things up that I liked. I thought he got off to a good start. Uh, I think uh, – that 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 offensive team though in 2018 was up and down, and then when you lose Jake Bentley in 2019, obviously that wasn't wasn't really working. And now now what do I think? I thought it was an interesting move for McClendon going from the co-coordinator at Miami back to Georgia, where he was the receivers coach before. So he's essentially going back home to take the job he had before he was co-coordinator at South Carolina went out to Oregon, went down to Miami. So it was kind of interesting to me that he did that. I'm sure the dogs are paying him pretty well, though, after winning that national title. So I thought that was interesting. You know, Coleman Hutzler being at Bama, I think it's pretty pretty good deal for him. Um, I thought he did a good job with special teams. I, I, I do think in recruiting sometimes it would have been better if Coach Hutzler had, had the, the script A instead of the block C, you know, Alabama on his on his shirt. Because it just seemed like he had trouble closing, uh, but he lost players to some really good programs. I mean, that's just kind of what happened. So, so we'll see what happens. But I thought, you know, people ask me about it, like, well, why did this happen? It's just, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, I still think Will Muschamp one day could go to the NFL and win big in that league. Um, maybe that's a little more his style uh, is to win big at that level and, and all that. Maybe not, you know, but uh, the football gods sometimes, you know, things end up coming around full circle. And and the guy just had too much. I don't really believe in luck, but there were too many things that it was like, wow, what else could go wrong uh, at both stops at Florida and South Carolina? Uh, It just wouldn't look like they were getting their head above water. The thing collapsed at both places. And so you have to kind of wonder about that. And wonder uh, wonder why. But anyway, uh, Muschamp and those guys are all at Georgia now, and there's a bunch at Alabama. So, you know, th- those coaches that came through here, obviously, are continuing to work in this business. So that's a, that's a pretty good deal for them. But uh, anyway, that, that's all on the, the analysis segment. I, I don't really have any brilliant analysis uh, on that. I just have – uh, kind of a wow thing because you know w- when those guys left, I don't think any of you thought, "Hey, you know, Nick Saban's going to hire three of these guys pretty soon." You know that, that that probably wouldn't have happened, right? All right, so it's time for the I Help Consulting mailbag. As always, just wanted to uh, tell you about I Help Consulting. How about that? Um. I help consulting. Daniel Owen saved a customer more than $48,000 annually. Average savings is more than $2,000 annually. 
Uh, and here's the thing about IO consulting. If you have a business, uh, this is what they do. They come in there. They're like, hey, you know, let, let's take a look at what you're spending in expenses every month. Um, if you're spending too much on credit card processing, if you're spending too much on your internet service, if you're, you know, whatever it is, IHELP Consulting, IHELPConsulting.com uh, can help you uh, save money. And uh, that's what he does. He breaks it all down and here's how he gets paid. It's a percentage of your first year savings. So in other words, you get the 48 grand, you may, you're going to give him his cut, but then the next year you're going to save 48 grand again. So Whoopee. It's pretty good. It's not like some consultants who are like, yeah, I'm going to charge you a hundred thousand and save you two. Great. I'm out $98,000 genius. <laughs> so I'm like some guys like that. I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to go into consulting, but that's not Daniel Owens. Daniel Owens is a legit consultant. He, he, he's one of these guys that, you know, when you get him to come to work for you, uh, I really believe that he kind of takes on the persona that it's his business. Like, like it's a personal deal that he's just dying to save you money. Uh, and that's what he does. Uh, I help consulting also as a sponsor of JB and Goldwater. I'll have my segment there tomorrow and I certainly appreciate them doing that. So let me tell you how to get in touch with Daniel 843-372-5713. I help consulting.com free consultation. Uh, if he can't sell you, if he looks at it and can't save you anything, you don't owe him anything. That's another great thing. 843-372-5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? So there's two ways to get in the mailbag. We have a tweet there uh, about the Golden Corral. That sucks. Sucked that it happened. There was, a, I guess, a riot in Pennsylvania at the Golden Corral. Uh, somebody, somebody ran out of steak. And somebody, Caleb, says, steak is trash anyway. Who would fight over that? I don't know, man. Depends. Depends on how much you like that steak. I mean, I don't know, man. If I want that cheap steak, I'm going to go to Outback maybe at worst. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not cheap. I mean, it's, you know, the, 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 I'm sorry, but the, you know, the, the Golden Corral steak isn't even like steak. I just, you know, put some batter on that crap and fry it up like country fried steaks. Anyway, they ran out or whatever. So people have been tweeting me about that. And that's kind of funny. Um, but there's two ways uh, to get into the mailbag. First of all, tweet to at the big spur pod. Uh, please go follow that Twitter account. Tell your friends to follow that Twitter account. Also follow us on Instagram at inside the Gamecocks. Uh, lots of content there, right? Uh, so you can tweet to me and then you can also email us, but we'll do the tweets first as we always do. And uh, Cosmo Davis says, JC, have y'all heard much about the last few unsigned transfers? Or Trey, Rosendo Lewis, Jukari Caldwell, Jamar Brown. I have not heard. I'm assuming somebody's going to pick up Jamar Brown. I mean, shoot, I, I think he's good. I mean, he's kind of a tweener. I think he's good. Or Trey, as I said earlier, went to North Carolina Central. Nothing on Rosendo Lewis. It's a shame, man. I, I just think he's one of those guys that, you know, kind of lost lost it a little bit. Jakari Caldwell, maybe East Carolina. There's been people calling about him, but I just don't know. I don't know sort of where, you know, where the interest is with him. 
and all these guys kind of transfer for different reasons. But uh, so there's the, the update on Orr Trey from today. Uh, Caldwell, you have heard some East Carolina. Uh, nothing on Jamar Brown or Rosendo Lewis of two kids from South Florida, though. And uh, I'm actually kind of surprised on uh, Brown. Rosendo, there's just no film. It's hadn't played. So I don't know who would take a chance on him or not. Thomas says, hey, JC, what are your thoughts on Auburn and Brian Harson? I know it's not a Gamecock question, but I find it interesting how he's going to be on his fifth coordinator before year two, and that's true. Uh, Austin Davis, who he hired to replace Mike Bobo, left, and I believe – and we talked about this on JC and Morgan, by the way, Thomas. Uh, I believe, you know – Knowing that Austin Davis is kind of from the South and he was in C, you know, I don't think it's anything where he's like missing the Pacific Northwest, got to Auburn and wants to go back or anything. I think it's like when they say it's personal reasons, I think it is. And we don't know. It's probably none of our business. That said, it has to be kind of a bad deal for Harson. And the Auburn faithful is not going to understand that, right? They're just not going to, they, the Auburn faithful, they look at it and they're, oh, we got Mike Bobo, Derek Mason, and all these SEC guys. And then now they're like, who? You know? But I, I do think if you're Auburn, the best thing you can do is to sit there and 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 let Harson have his guys. The guy's 82 and 31 as a coach. Obviously, things didn't go right this year. Probably need to uh seriously, we probably need to just let him get his guys or fire him. You know, if, if you're not going to be happy with the guys he hires, fire the head coach. You fired head coaches for less at Auburn before. Uh, but that old thing's weird. Now, here's probably what's going to happen. And I am not – this is sort of a hot take here. And, and look, I – you ask me right now, uh, I'm like, ooh, Auburn's probably in trouble, right? <laughs> oh, but here's kind of the college football end of it sometimes, Right. Uh, you got a coach that's had a rocky first year. There's all this, what is it, turmoil and staff departures. And I don't know if their recruiting class is even as good as uh, it's ranked, if you want me to be honest, um, that kind of thing. But Mercer, San Jose State, Penn State, Missouri, LSU. Five straight home games to open the 2022 football season for Auburn. Then they go to Georgia October 8th, then they go to Ole Miss and Miss Arkansas, whatever, you know, blah, 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 blah. Five straight home games. So, you know, how good's Penn State going to be next year? It'll be, you know, probably be a lot about like they usually are. You know, how good's LSU going to be next year under Brian Kelly, his first year going to Auburn like that? Then you got Mercer and San Jose State and Missouri. I mean, I you know, on October 7th, the night before these guys play Georgia and Athens, they could be sitting at 5-0. and And that would not really shock me. I mean, I just it, – it, you know, it, Auburn's not as talented as they once were, but they're not void of talent. And if, the, if Harson can get some buy-in – and they can start playing ball a lot like Boise, you know, it was just hard to beat. You know, they probably have a chance. 
you know, maybe not. Maybe he starts two and three next year and loses to San Jose State or loses to Penn State, Missouri, and LSU, and he's fired. And there's an interim coach by the time they go to Georgia. Uh, it's that kind of deal. Uh, but that, that that's my take on that. Is like, yes, I feel like they're in trouble, but but don't don't count them out. Don't count them out. By the way, here's some news that Hale McGranahan just came up with. It's more um, bigger news, uh, big picture. Excuse me again. Gosh. Okay. So if a player goes in the portal right now, uh, they have to transfer to their new school if they're they're going within the SEC, according to this bylaw, uh, by today. So the, the cutoff for SEC to SEC transfers is done. So... Anybody who wants to go to Auburn after spring ball or whatever, tough luck. So uh, that's not going to happen. And and then vice versa with players coming from other schools. Um, But, yeah, Thomas, thanks for the the question about Auburn. and wanted to throw that in there from Hale uh, on social media just now. One more tweet. One more coming in for Cosmo Davis. How many preferred walk-ons are typically on the football team in a given year? Seems like Beamer has a bunch this cycle. Uh, uh, shoot, 20 or so, prefer 15 to 20. Um, it's not an abnormal number with, with the preferred walk-ons. What they're doing, though, is they're being – whereas uh, some staffs, depending on who it is, some staffs will sit there and go, all right, well – we got all these guys and we got a scholarship guy. So then, well, let's figure out walk-ons, you know, and they'll go and see whatever. At South Carolina, they really try hard to get guys that are good enough to go play FCS ball somewhere. Uh, I know the kid from Atlanta, they got had an ETSU offer, East Tennessee State, uh, and then get them to walk on. And, and that's kind of the way Virginia Tech used to do it when Frank Beamer was there. Uh, very in-state focused as well. Not saying, though, somebody corrected me today. He said, well, he took an out-of-state guy that's good from Georgia. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's mostly in-state. DJ Black from Chapman High School is walking on. He's a good player. Uh, really scratched the surface from Debo Samuel School. Um, and, and I think that's smart because when you look at the state of South Carolina over the years, you've had – um. You've had guys that, uh, you know, have gone to FCS schools from the state that have ended up in the NFL, you know. And uh, so I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Anything to kind of keep your roster going and guys get to play scout team or whatever, I think it's great. All right, so there's there's that. So, um, and I know it seems like, you know, there's a lot more. This year, and it's probably because you're more familiar with the names, or it's more publicized. Uh, there's no abnormally large number of preferred walk-ons coming in uh, compared to the past. Uh, so thanks. So those are all the tweets. The other way, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And Keith, Keith says, and thank you for all these questions. By the way, keep them coming uh, this week. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the Bigsburg pod, the IO consulting mailbag. He says, I'm listening to this week's JC and Morgan. This was last week. Please tell Mike that on Netflix, the new Vikings spinoff called Vikings Valhalla is supposed to be airing. 
Supposed to pick up approximately 100 years after the original Vikings show ended. The original Vikings is a great show that is on Amazon Prime if you haven't seen it. So cool. I will. We just recorded with Mike earlier, but I'll bring it up next episode for sure, Keith. And um, anybody else out there with uh, TV recommendations, send them right here to the I Hope Consulting Mailbag because I think everybody these days in this age of streaming, I'm always looking for tips. You know, what's good, what's not. Some people I trust, some people I don't uh, with it. But uh, there's two or three folks, if they say watch something, I'm watching it. So, um, you know, it's not like <laughs> they used to be. We're all kind of searching, I think, for uh, material uh, on the streaming services. Chris Bone says, JC, when coaches are made available to the media this spring, I need Coach Luke Day and Chip Morton in regular rotation. I need their contagious enthusiasm and life wisdom. Any chances? I'm sure we'll talk to Luke Day. I don't know about Coach Morton, uh, but usually during the spring, they'll rotate the assistants and the strength coaches and all those folks. So, uh, And I agree. Coach, Coach Day's done a great job. Luke Day has been a huge part of this program. Uh, you know, as has Derek Moore and uh, everybody else that they've got. So I, uh, you know, off the field. I, I've said a lot about those those off the field guys. I think Shane Beamer nailed that. Um, and, you know, during his opening press conference, he said he wanted to build the premier culture in all of college football. And I think you need guys like that to build culture. I think they're important. So, uh, but yeah, Luke Day is a big part of that. And, and and you know what else I like about him? He's different. You know, he, he, I don't know that he would work at a place like Alabama, like his style. Um, maybe he would. It's a little bit different. But uh, and Nick Saban, believe it or not, does do things outside of the box. I mean, if you you look at kind of how they replaced their strength staff when Scott Cochran left for Georgia. You know, you kind of notice that, but, um, you know, he hired the guys from Indiana and if it's, I mean, he took it to the next level. Uh, but yeah, I will, uh, I will put in that request. Uh, and I'll say, I'll say this, I'll make you a promise, uh, Chris. Uh, I will, let's say coach day talks to the media and they run the video. I will just because you requested it, uh, I will play his interview here during a podcast episode and let you hear it, uh, all that good stuff. Tim says, JC, huge fan all the way from Brisbane, Australia. Long time listening, first time mailbagger. Well, I hope uh, I hope they're letting you out of your house in um, freaking uh, Australia right now. Uh, really, seriously, I've, I've read some, some tough stuff. Uh, I read an article on the Big Ten considering removing the East-West divisions and having three permanent rivalry games and rotating through the rest of the schools. Maybe go back to the discussion on football scheduling in the SEC when Texas and Oklahoma come on board. I'm fascinated by the four-pod system for scheduling. Here's something I've been working on. What are your thoughts? Four pods consisting of four teams, North, South, East, West. Two pods combined to form a division north and south and then east and west, and then they rotate. I like that because then you're going to get all kinds of different championship game matchups. Play the seven teams in their division plus one game each from the other two pods for a nine-game schedule. Play just one team or the other division if you wanted to keep an eight-game schedule. Top team in each quote-unquote division 
plays in the conference championship game. So in other words, okay, so here's Tim's thing. Uh, the North pod and South pod, like for the first year, North would be Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, Vandy. South would be Bama, Auburn, Mississippi State, Mississippi. East would be Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Carolina. West would be LSU, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M. Um, so, yeah, so you get North and South first year, East and West, and then North will play West, South will play East. It would rotate. I like that. And most models I've seen when they're talking about the Gamecocks having a pod have had either Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, or Vanderbilt, Georgia, Kentucky. And Andy Staples had Vandy uh, in there the other day. So another idea is flooding was have all teams play on conference championship weekend. This could benefit teams on the bubble, bubble if the playoff expanded and have both second-place teams play each other, third place, et cetera. Benefits are less cupcake games. Each school is guaranteed to play the other in football every three years. Strength of schedule and a fair schedule over a three-year cycle. More conference games, more money. Disadvantage, too brutal of a schedule that could negatively impact bubble teams. Lose some traditional permanent rivalry games and potentially less incentive to organize Power 5 non-conference games if you move to a 9 or 10-game schedule. Cheers, Tim. And they're going to probably now move to a 10-game SEC. Nine may even be a stretch, but that that seems to be kind of what the buzz is. Uh, the championship weekend thing is interesting because I, the Big Ten was going to do that during the pandemic, and I, I thought it was a great idea. Uh, and what it could also serve to do, Tim, is there's these people like that are out there going, well, you don't want to play 17 games. These are just kids. Even though they play 15, all right. Well, what this does is only a team that like with the 12-team playoff, of course, only a team that doesn't have a bye that literally would have to win, what, four games to win the championship would play 16. Everybody else would play no more than 15. Uh, if you made that instead of a, you know, in other words, your, your ninth game in the league is either going to be a championship game or you're going to cross bracket with whoever else. In other words, you don't know who your ninth opponent is going to be <laughs> uh, during the year until the end. You just cross it up and, and you go from there. And that way, I, I think you could you could work it out uh, with some of the issues in terms of you know, preserving the 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 Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clemson games, Georgia, Georgia Tech, those uh, pre- preserving rivalry weekend, and then keeping championship weekend, especially in the SEC. The other leagues championship games have, are not huge things, you know, but the SEC it's a big money maker. It's always special, so that's the deal there. Tim, take it easy down under, and I hope they. Uh, I hope they give you guys some freedom here pretty soon. <laughs> Justin says, JC, I read a, read a report that when Beamer went up to Maryland to visit high schools, he didn't visit St. Francis, even though they have many Power 5 level prospects. Did he not visit the school because they had a part in the J. Sean Barham fiasco? Or is there another reason? Thanks, Mr. White. Um, Beamer went to see Nicholas Harbor. And Nicholas is in D.C., not Baltimore. Uh, And so I think when you look at it, and I'm going to look this up real quick because I have it right here. Um, 
Blah, blah, blah. No, yeah. They went to, they did go to Baltimore. God, DeMatha, good counsel. Uh, Archbishop Carroll, St. John's Gonzaga. And uh, yeah, so they skipped it. So maybe. And, and look, honestly, uh, after the Barham thing went down like it did, don't blame Shane Beamer a bit. <laughs> and it sucks uh, because they have good players and they liked the Carolina coaching staff. But, you know, they're, they're, it just didn't go well with the Barham thing. And I think that, you know, that may be why skipping. It may be that they're not really super fired up about anybody there for St. Francis. Um, I know St. Francis, you have to do everything at the school. It's their policy, that kind of thing. Uh, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. Uh, chill out in terms of, 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 of St. Francis and all that and see what happens moving forward. Uh, because it may be something as simple as there's nobody there that Carolina feels like they can get or, or, or they want to hit some other schools. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of reasons. Let's see if this is a pattern. And <coughs> mm, sorry. And let me see if I can dig on a little bit, maybe get an answer, a better answer for you. Thanks for the email. And the final one, this one's this podcast has flown by, folks. We're only at 40 minutes. Well, be sure, JC and Morgan, so you have two hours of me, just a shorter game cut. But anyway, Sean says, I want to know why there are so many long-tenured coaches in college basketball. I saw that Coach Bam has been at Syracuse 42 years, and Izzo has been at Michigan State for 23. Is it the nature of the sport? Is just getting to the tournament good enough? College football has had its runs with Bowden and Paterno, but I can never envision it going back to that. Kirk Ferentz comes to mind. Thanks. Hashtag throw it to Jaheim Bell. <laughs> um, shoot. Football. I mean, Saban's been at Alabama since 07. 16 years. It's a long time. Dabo has been at Clemson since 08. It's a pretty long time. I mean, those guys are going to be 20 years or so here pretty soon um, if they stay, which I think they will. I think it, it is more rare these days to see coaches stay for long, long periods of time. Uh, I do think it, it does happen. I think it will happen again. Uh, the problem is this, and, and, and guys, this is, you know, some, some people are like, why do you defend Ray Tanner? He's a terrible athletic director. Duck, 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 duck. Is because I see athletic directors do bull crap like roll into TCU and fire Gary Patterson to hire Sonny freaking Dykes. I mean, what on what earth is Gary is, is Sonny Dykes going to be a better coach? I mean, it's not like Sonny Dykes is a young up and comer. He's been around. You know what you get out of him. Lots of offense, not a lot of defense. No offense to him. But you just fired a ball coach to hire a guy that may or may not win. So, so I don't know. You know, Matt Wells got fired at Texas Tech to hire Joey McGuire. I thought that was a little bit easier because you hire a legendary high school coach in Texas. They, they like that, that kind of thing. 
Uh, so that's what worries me when you talk about ADs and Tanner, who understands coaching. And and look, I said when he didn't make a move on Muschamp after 2019, I thought I thought there was a there was a plausible uh, argument to be made about it, right? Uh, I thought 60-40, I would make a change. Uh, but Muschamp signed a pretty good recruiting class in 2020, and a lot of those guys are kind of the foundation for Beamer now. And I don't know that a first-year head coach during the pandemic year would have – I mean, it could have been a complete disaster, right? Um, so I don't, I don't know that that's like – that was a move that set the football program back uh, in terms of Ray Tanner keeping Will Muschamp. Uh, everybody else has been fired at the right time. Now you can say Mark Kingston is probably not a good hire for baseball, whatever. I mean, I, I, I don't really have a strong opinion on that either way. Uh, I do know that the baseball program has standards and I know those standards, even though they went the, the, the regional last year, they were not met. They were not met. When you have a trip to the supers and a trip to Omaha teed up to host the supers, you do your South Carolina baseball. You, you, you meet this, you meet the standard. But I'm not ready to fire him. I think he fired Holbrook as soon as he could. So, so anyway, that's the the standard argument about Tanner that uh, I have with people. But what scares me is, guys. Yeah, okay, he, he's Ray Tanner. He's not, you know. There's when things don't go well, he gets blamed, and, and there is some criticism he deserves without question. But you get one of these guys in there that just wants to change for change's sake. And, and you may run off the Tom Izzo or the Jim Behan or the Kirk Ferentz. You know, there's something to be said both ways. Um, unlike Eric Hyman, who, in my opinion, uh, did not get rid of Dave Odom fast enough because he was kind of enamored with what Dave did at Wake and the NITs and all that. You know, and then really Horn probably <laughs> – I mean, I guess Horn, they got rid of him after three bad years, after a good first year. But, uh, you know, I I thought Hyman maybe held on to people a little longer than Tanner did. You know, Tanner was ready to move on basketball last year. But anyway, that's what worries me is that, you know, yes, there are probably better resume athletic directors and all that across the country. But what if you get a clown? And uh, so you're talking about the sport and all that. Uh, yeah, you know, you can, you can get a clown that runs off a good coach. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's not going to be the same. I mean, Beheim, he's won national championships. He's been to Final Fours. They go to the tournament almost every year. Same with Izzo at Michigan State. If you win, you're happy. You're going to keep going. Now, you want to ask me, South Carolina, how could Frank Martin stay 20 years? Well, the next step for this program, be a consistent NCAA tournament team. If for the next five years, he ends up sort of like, you know, what he did at Kansas State, four out of five seasons in the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah, he's going to get to 20. But nobody's been able to do that, not even him that took the team to the Final Four. You have to sustain and be consistent. And there's opportunity in the SEC to do that because there's there's not a lot of consistent programs out there, but there are some right now with the way they're recruiting and winning that are going to be. 
Um, it's not just Florida and Kentucky anymore. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, tenured basketball coaches are uh, something that, you know, we'll see if how long it happens. I mean, you know, and, and when you're at one place for forever and it's kind of your program that you built, you know, you stay. I mean, of course, Michigan State obviously was, was good before Judd Heathcote. Magic Johnson was there, but Izzo's not the first guy to win there. But he's kind of a Michigan State guy. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, is getting to the tournament good enough? I think at most places in college basketball, it is. Uh, if South Carolina started getting to the tournament, everybody'd be fine. Um, I think at some places, like your North Carolinas, your Dukes, your you know, UCLA's, uh, you may be judged a little bit more on like what you what you do in the tournament and getting is not, not going to cut it if you're not getting the sweet 16. But anyway, thanks Sean for that email. And thank you for listening to the inside the game podcast. Again, check out JC and Morgan. Just got finished recording it. Going to put this one up, then put up JC and Morgan back to back. You'll see the tweets and all that good stuff. So please check that out. Check me out on JB and go water tomorrow, 1230 to 130 Eastern. You can stream that on YouTube or Twitter or catch the podcast later. Also uh, big spur 75% off annual membership. Also got a new video product on the big spur.com. Go to the big spur YouTube page. I said Facebook YouTube page, uh, hit that subscribe button there. It's free, you know, And uh, you're going to get some content, some video content from yours truly every day, uh, breaking some things down, talking a little scoop first thing in the morning and all that. And then, of course, we put our podcast up there, video interviews, uh, things like Shane Beamer and helicopter, that kind of thing. Uh, And and there's going to be some more stuff there that's uh, sports infotainment kind of stuff. Uh, Really excited about the YouTube page and sort of the different products we're going to have moving forward. But anyway... Just want to tell you guys all that. I certainly appreciate each and every one of you tuning in. This is JC Sherbert inside the Gamecocks signing off.